0: Fraudology is now sponsored by Spec. I'll provide more information about who they are and what they do later in the episode, but you can also find a link to their website in the show description. I hope you enjoy this new episode of Fraudology brought to you by Spec. Welcome to Fraudology Podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. Welcome back to the Phrenology Podcast. I do my best to speak on behalf of fraud fighting practitioners, um, especially on the e-commerce merchant side because that's where I've been before. But sometimes there are topics that I just, I know that they can speak to better than I can on their behalf. And this is one of those topics that I've wanted to have a few people come on and talk about for a while. And that is doing a proof of concept or trying before you buy. Some proof of concepts are paid, um, some are not. But really, you know, trying to, because not all fraud solutions work for. Every type of company, um, this can be a good way to do it. But there's also some confusion sometimes on, in the market or on the other side of, well, if we've been a proven company for a long time, why do you need to try us? And so wanted to invite people on. So I have five merchants here who work for um, all companies that you probably have heard of before, but I won't be uh, naming them off. Um, and I'll just be referring to them as their initial but thank you guys so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having us. Well, and I should say there might be some voices that are familiar to you from other episodes, but just because there are some people that can speak, you know, and some that can't on behalf of their company, we're just making everybody anonymous. <laughs> so diving in, and I'll just let you guys kind of, you know, start and speak with yourselves. But, you know, once you've selected one to two fraud vendors to work with for a specific use case, right? Whether it's your core fraud solution or it's for enhanced data, you know, whatever that use case may be, maybe it's for orchestration. What are some of the reasons that you should push for a POC?
1: Well, I can take this one first. Um, first time, long time, as I say on the old AM radio, but thanks for having us on here. Uh, you know, a lot of the times that we do POCs or go into vendor selection mode, we, we tend to look at many, 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 many vendors. I can recall in the past talking to a specific type of vendor and there was probably 20 or more that I looked at before I even set out an RFP and, you know, narrowed it down to seven or eight from those 20, get all the responses back. And it's kind of just, it's just overwhelming. You know, you, you, you talk to so many different people, it's not kind of all blurs together, but you can tell After going through that process, seeing the RFP answers and responses, um, I think it's pretty easy to narrow it down sometimes to just a handful, right? One, two, three vendors, and then, um, determining based off the type of, uh, use case you have, whether you want to do that with multiple vendors or if you just want to do it with your top vendor, right? Um, Some of the things that would determine which way you go with that are engineering resources like budget. Is it a free POC versus a paid POC? How much time do I have? Is it feasible for me to split traffic Mm. multiple ways? Uh, are there things I can do online versus offline? There's a lot of, a lot of things that go into that, but the primary reason that you would want to do this is to understand, is it going to work for my use case? There are very few solutions out there that you can just send them data or trust that they're going to work for you. So you want to test them, right? If it's a a new use case that you don't have anything in place for today, absolutely. If it's something that you're solving for with a current uh, solution provider and want to see if there's uplift with another one, test it. You know, you you can't just rely on whatever they tell you is going to, is going to work.
0: Does anyone have any other reasons that
1: you would? 10% uplift. I can't necessarily
0: trust that. (laughs) <laughs> right, because it may be a 10% uplift for someone else, but is it going to be for your company? Mm-hmm.
2: But here is 10% uplift. I need to translate that into ROI. And how can I translate it if I don't do any PLC where I have measurable outcomes? So that's probably the biggest reason for me. You need to ask for a certain budget to cover the cost of the solution, whether that's just covering PLC or covering the um, full engagement. But you need to have some measurement to know that this is going to work. And being in this space for so long and being able to understand, like, I think at one point or another, I spoke to every single vendor that is out there currently. Maybe not all of them, but 99% of them. And I know very well what they do. I know how they do it. And sometimes they sound very similar. Sometimes they will tell you almost the same thing. Mm-hmm. So specifically in charge book space, everybody is lowering charge books. So, well, let me see that. And um, like... Um, My previous colleague who's here, I almost said your name, but this is what I do. I actually have eight or nine categories that I want to make sure that vendor meets. So like I first identify gaps, is it going to help me do identities are going to help me do account create verification is going to help does it have device ip here what is the ease of integration what is the lift what resources do i need so create kind of a template for all of these vendors and i have access or check marks next to having or not having this capability or is it easy or is it not so first that is one of the reasons but what i need to say is like um what you said before me i don't talk to one or two or five vendors we talk to 10, 20, and by the time we get to the POC stage, we probably already have, okay, Adam, we probably already have a good kind of understanding of who you are and why we want you. So just the fact that we came to the POC stage means that we already have some level of trust that this can work, but we do have to test it. I mean, especially in the larger organizations, you do have to provide reasons and you do have to provide at least some forecasts in our life.
0: Especially for a business case, right? With other with to other parts of the business, you know, engineering can say, "Why do we need to do all this work to uh, implement another API?" Well, you need to be able to have that data for an ROI to be able to make that business case to use different resources uh, within your own, you know, within your own internal company. Do you have anything to add to that, R?
3: I come from this from a place of having a pretty over-leveraged engineering team, so unless Unless we can say definitively that something is going to present, you know, you know, almost a seven figure lift, we're gonna have to make a best guess when it comes to a POC and just and enter into an agreement but before absent that and then um look into uh, either a shortened term, uh, you know, first term. And have some sort of escape pod to abort the serv- abort the abort the agreement instead of a POC. So I think that you know, for for some companies, that might be almost as an, an attractive if we're talking about something that requires you know minimal to average amount of lift.
1: That's interesting that you say that. So so would you be more likely to sign a contract than do a POC because of the overleveraging of the engineering team?
3: Yeah, if our CTO says, hey, we're absolutely not going to be able to get this on our calendar, uh, onto our plan to do a POC. But if we have the contract signed, we can get this done. We might actually look to sneak something under the, you know, sneak something under the rug and then have some kind of clause where we can say, if we're not meeting this amount, if we're not getting the promised ROI, that the contract is null. So,
2: so you bring up that a good situation, point. Oh, go ahead. Uh, in that situation, our this would be a vendor you know. This would be a vendor you know off that you talk to other colleagues in the space about or other fellow broadfighters. This still right. wouldn't be just based on on their client list, <laughs> based on their, um, I don't know, how long is they exist in the space. So you would right. still have some pretty good knowledge about who You're they are. You're still
3: doing a comp analysis of the field. You're talking to all of the vendors. You've ident- ident- identified the best fit. You've, you know, you've done... All of the homework.
1: I've never really considered doing it that way, but I I like your idea with that. <laughs> if you just if you get the right terms and the agreement and can exit quickly, then that that is another option for for people to do because you are essentially doing a POC with the option to stop doing that.
0: <laughs> well, and you bring up a really good point because oftentimes you know proof of concept does require almost the same amount of engineering as if you were going to you know be implementing them live and signing a contract. Right. So it's kind of, you know, the, it sounds like it's the difference between doing a free trial versus signing a contract, but having an easier out in the first, you know, six months or a year, because it really does depend on your own internal engineering resources. And I don't know how many vendors I talk to who say, we don't understand why you know these companies are not happy with their current, you know, solution. And we know that we can give them better lift and better service, et cetera, et cetera but they just won't switch to us. And I'm like, because oftentimes internally, there are a lot more sexy projects for engineering to work on than fraud. And, you know, they, yeah, you may be able to save them seven figures a year, but their marketing department has convinced everyone that they're going to make eight or nine figures a year by doing this new thing. And that's what gets the attention internally. And you can get on the
2: roadmap from 2027. Yes. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile, you've got fraudsters exploiting your your current processes all day long because you haven't changed your technology. V or B, do you guys have anything to add on that one?
4: I think I just want to go off of what A said, was that when you're looking at POCs, it's not maybe because you are just bringing on something you didn't have, it could be something that you have internally that maybe isn't working or you don't have the resources to maintain it. So you have to bring on a vendor to kind of fill that gap in. Right. So I know that for us, like we have to prove that this new vendor that we're going to bring in is going to give a a larger uplift than the half working, you know, tool that we have internally um, is going to give us that uplift, right? And that's where the POC comes in for us. Like our engineering team is not going to agree to something, neither is our procurement team until we show them that like, hey, there is an uplift if we're able to bring in this new vendor. This is what the uplift is. Here's the POC. This is what we're able to do because even our procurement team is like, we're not going to let you move forward in signing anything until you're able to prove that to us, right? So sometimes it's not just bringing in a vendor just because you need it. It might just be to replace something that you currently have. And then you have to go through the entire process of proving to not only like your leadership, but like to other stakeholders around yeah. the company that like, yeah, we do need to deprecate this and we're going to need your resources because we're bringing in this new vendor and this is the uplift, right? So it's not just a, a quick like, you know, let's integrate this. It's definitely something that you have to um that could go a lot deeper depending on the organization.
5: Yeah, I'd agree. I think in the last year we've we've done or are in process of doing POCs for sort of all the scenarios of we are looking to replace something, you know, external with a different vendor, looking to replace an internal process and filling a void that we didn't have anyone for. And to V's point, there's I, I would love to sign a contract. Like what R said sounds awesome if I could sign a contract without having to prove mm. like all of those questions, but the the number of questions and things to prove that come internally from procurement and engineering, like they they require those numbers from us. So whether mm. the vendor kind of fully understands that or not, like there's a lot of internal proving that we're doing just to get them through the door for that POC.
0: I'm so glad you said that, because I think that that is often lost, that you're the one who has to make the business case for, you know, maybe it's the type of tool it is, maybe it's the company it is, maybe it's, you know, the their approach or the savings or the increased customer experience or, you know, and oftentimes you need to have multiple things. Cost can't just be the only thing, Um, you know, the savings on chargebacks or the savings on refund fraud or whatever that, you know, or the savings on whatever whatever that is, that use cases can't be the only thing you can't just walk into a meeting with all these other departments within your company that are other stakeholders, you know, you probably have to have a product manager assigned to it, you probably have to have, you know, procurement sign off, you have to have, you know, finance sign off, you have to have legal sign off, all these things. And they have all these other competing priorities on their list from other departments that you have to compete with. And so if they're not setting you up with the answers for each one of those departments, or if they're not sympathetic to that, that you're the one going in and, and having to do all the advocating and all the work for them to be able to, you know, get a yes, then they're not gonna be helping you in any way. And if one of their competitors is gonna be helping you make that business case, you know, and making the fancy slides and all that for you, that might help them. Well, and I think another reason why, you know, companies POC also is to justify the pricing, right? I actually heard from a vendor that said that their experience is actually that when they sign a contract with a merchant uh, who hasn't done a POC, who hasn't seen the ROI, uh, that actually the pricing is usually less then when they've done a POC and the merchant has seen the value and the ROI and the vendor has too and now they know how big the 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 advantages and the ROI is and so sometimes if you do the POC before the pricing piece or you know you pay a flat rate or you know you pay a trial price for a paid POC. And then you've got all this, the vendor has that data too. And they're like, Hey, look, I know how much this is going to lift you up too. And you know, this vendor told me we actually, we prefer to do POCs because we have faith in our product. We know it's going to, you know, really uh, show a lot of uplift, but also because we can justify higher pricing.
1: (laughs) Well, that's why you uh, negotiate pricing before you enter into that POC agreement. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think actually, it both have their advantages, right? Like sometimes, yeah, sometimes that's that's better. Other times uh, it's not. I think it depends on the use case and the pricing model and and so many other things.
2: <laughs> I, I completely missed the point, uh, missed the procurement part, which mm. I mean, I dealt with this in the past as well, uh, especially in some of my previous positions where procurement would actually take the proposal that we made for the solution we made, but then they would go out and do that. So sometimes, or most of the time, I feel almost like a salesperson for this vendor. Mm. I sell the product internally and that's pretty much what it is. You have to sell the product internally, but then you have to have something to prove that.
1: Yeah, you're not only selling the product, sometimes you're selling that there is a problem. And it's, it's hard to believe, like we're in 2024 now, and there are plenty of merchants that have someone running fraud, that are sitting in a payments roll and they're running it off the side of their desk you know they're they're not fraud fighters they are i mean mm-hmm. de facto fraud fighters but like it's not their main job yeah um you know and, and i've i've seen other companies do this i've been part of companies that do this um but you go in and there's nothing there and you either have to work with very little or you're starting from the ground up and you have to sell the story of what you have to say there is a problem educate people on what fraud is what types of fraud there are you know um if you're dealing with identity for example someone stole my identity and went off and did something with it. People do not understand synthetic identity. Mm. If I tell someone we have synthetic identity fraud, they just look at me with a blank stare because it's not a common term. Like you, you hear you see commercials for life lock and all these other companies that will charge you 400 bucks a year to do nothing, uh, protect (laughs) your identity, which you could just, by the way, just lock your credit profile. It should be good. (laughs) Um,
0: Every fraud fighter is laughing because we all agree. (laughs) Everyone,
1: everyone knows what ID theft is, but synthetic identity and like, I'm sure when return refund fraud came up, as a big thing. It was like, what? What do you mean? People are just sending back boxes of rocks and like all these all these weird things that we see. I'm sure you know how. I don't know how long ago it would be, but like you know, the first account takeover starts to happen. Like ATO. What is ATO? (laughs)
0: 2013 in the online gaming space.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's all these little these all these little things that pop up or or new trends that people don't understand. You have to sell like you have to do education first. That there is mm. a problem and it does need to be solved. And then solved it can be and, solved. Yeah, it can be solved. And this is who I've looked at, who can solve it, and here's who can do it better than others. And it's it's like when you're, you know, in fifth grade and you're doing long division and you have to prove your work. You know, you can't just <laughs> write the answer. You have to prove your work. And you're going through and say, like I've looked at 37 vendors mm-hmm. in the past month, and this is how they scored out on our RFP, and this is blah, 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 pricing, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're just going on and on and on. It it takes a long time to sell this as a problem.
0: Well, and to make sure that they know that you didn't just pick this one vendor because they sent you an expensive bottle of booze, right? Right. Um, You have to, I mean, maybe that happened, but uh, you have to do, you do have to prove your work. And
2: sometimes- I'm I'm partial to hats. um you're you're Can wearing I have a, a hat we so need to sweet. give a disclaimer i never got any booze never got any
0: booze well some people do no. or sometimes it's you know the for helicopter anything, ride in know. vegas during mrc or it's the north face vest or it's the you know the yeti mugs or whatever it is i, I don't know
2: the wrong vendors sir. So. <laughs> I <never got laughs> do i only i have these things
1: i'll um, give my identity away <laughs> for not to at least three people when I say this, but there is a vendor out there that has owed me a vest, a Patagonia vest for three years now. And I'm hoping they listen to this episode and bring me one to MRC, but I don't think they will.
0: (laughs) Well, and R just held up two of their their Yeti mugs that they have from different vendors in the space. I've actually joked that I wish I wouldn't have thrown out so many things because I probably had would have had stress balls and stickers and magnets and and pens from so many companies that don't exist anymore. I could start a little museum um, at, you know, a conference or something. But um, I think the point is, you know, sometimes procurement, I think you mentioned this where uh, sometimes procurement wants to do their own research. And that can be a challenge because they don't know the space, they aren't talking to the users. And to me, hands down the two, you know, beyond all the other questions that you guys have said that are so important. I think one person did brush on it, but it's talking to your colleagues that use those products, because there are so many times that A solution provider claims that they do something and then you talk to companies that are using them and they're like, no, no, they don't do that. Or it doesn't work or, you know, they or they promised us that and it hasn't come yet. Or I mean, I use that. That's what I use for determining who's going to be a sponsor on the podcast. There's been. There was one particular company that offered to pay twice as much as we charge for a sponsorship to be a sponsor for the podcast, but I could not in good conscience advocate for them because I have talked to their users. One of you <laughs> ran away from them very quickly <laughs> because they uh, you know, caused so many problems for your company in different ways. So, um, you know, one of you on this call, and then several other people. Um, And so I think that and then the other thing that I think is really important when it's possible is a POC, being able to prove the concept, being able to have that data and compare it to what you're using now, or, you know, to nothing. And then you're able to bring, you know, you already went around and did a roadshow internally to say, this is the reason why we need a solution. And then you go back around and say, okay, we, use this solution and here's what the outcome was, this is why we need to go forward with it. I think you're also more likely to stay with that provider for much longer, too, because you've done your homework. And the next time somebody else in your company gets a phone call from a competitor, you know, and they say, Hey, why haven't you talked to these guys? Or, you know, I just got a message from these guys, you know, you can say, uh, we already did it. remember how we did that POC, you know, and it uh, didn't or remember how we talked about them. And this is why we didn't so you can prove Again, it's showing your work. If you're a regular listener of Fraudology, you've heard me talk about Spec. Not only does their no-code platform let you instantly assemble the fraud solutions that you need to stay ahead of bad actors, but Spec's long list of integrations is always growing, empowering you to orchestrate your data to create customized customer journeys. Spec lets you stay ahead of fraud while enabling great customer experiences for your legitimate users. Request your personalized demo of Spec's Trust Cloud today at specprotected.com. That's www.specprotected.com. Or you can visit their website by clicking the link in today's show notes.
1: I'm surprised that more vendors do not want to do POCs. Like, I, I don't see, I understand if you wouldn't want to offer a paid one, or sorry, you wouldn't want to offer a free POC. But it's making you stickier with the client. If they're taking the time to integrate to your API, what are the odds that, unless you perform terribly, that they're going to test out, you know, three more vendors and see like, you know, is there, how much more incremental lift can I get with this one versus that one? Right. I'm not going to do that.
2: And going back to, by the time you get to POC, they already vetted out 10 other right. vendors, you already made that short list. So chances are if POC works well they will not say no and if you're so if you trust in your product and you think it's going to go well then you have nothing to worry about i think that's i did want to add something that that um a said earlier how fraud is handled by not fraud professionals in companies mm. and merchant uh, specific merchants still do not have fraud team and then you said something about uh, talking to colleagues and i wanted to kind of combine mm-hmm. those two if i see a vendor Uh, that is working with a lot of large companies, but I know for a fact that those companies do not have fraud teams. Hmm. I am less likely to consider that vendor for a specific reason. I know that decision is made by the person who doesn't have fraud knowledge, and it's made maybe just based on a partial information. But if one of my colleagues or one of my fellow fraud fighters recommends a product, I am way more likely to go with that. And that's pretty much how I picked almost every vendor I worked with ever. Um, talking to people I know, talking to people I trust. So I think having a big client list, and I know those clients do not have dedicated fraud team, that doesn't qualify you. It actually says quite opposite to me.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I do not... Even in my own, you know, assessment of vendors based on what merchants say, there are some merchants that I won't give as much credit to because I know that yeah, they they use that vendor and they don't like that vendor, but they are not able to stay on top of that vendor or they don't hold that vendor accountable. I'm not gonna take that, you know, input as much as I am, you know, someone who really uses it and, you know, is on top of it and holds them accountable. Um, and vice versa. So that's a that's a good point. When no, i wanted to say just on the why wouldn't vendors want to do a poc I, just for some insight you know for those that have investors which i think all but one of them are private companies and so they do have investors a lot of times their investors do not count a client as a full client uh until they have signed a contract and mm-hmm. unfortunately Especially with the economy the way it is, there are some investors that are getting a lot more impatient with their investments than I think they should be, especially in this space. They don't, you know, there are some investment companies that have invested in fraud technology companies without understanding this space and that it's going to have a, an eight to 10 month sales cycle most of the time and that they're gonna have to do their homework and it's going to be a huge thing. Um and so they then put a lot of pressure on their investment company to sign contracts. And that's not fair to the end users, you guys, but just you know providing a little bit of that perspective, oftentimes they're judged and rated on how many signed contracts they have, not how many POCs they have.
3: And it's, it may not be fair, but it's a, it's a big resource suck for, for that Team also. I mean, right. they've got to bring on a whole data team. They've got their account manager, your technical account manager, your salesperson's got can't love you and leave you. He's got to stick close to you to make sure that you're still happy. They're going to be paying for AWS or whatever you know mm. server. You know those server resources aren't aren't going to be cheap for all of those connection connection inputs endpoints. So I can see that scaling the cost of that scaling pretty quickly. That they're just eating for however long you want that poc to run
0: yeah yeah and i think that's a good point i mean on the flip side i now you know have a a product um on a platform on on specs platform you know and they um we're going through a couple pocs now and i'm excited about the pocs because i believe in the product and i am excited to see it happen right and so I think it just, it depends, right? I mean, it is a newer product and we, you know, but still, but at the same time, it is, you know, it is a resource suck. I mean, I'm going to be volunteering some of my time along the way, but I believe in the product and I don't think that I would be shocked if it didn't result in a paid customer soon. And so it's worth my time. But I think that those are all really good examples to say, you know, just to see the other side, right? I mean, because I think, one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys come on is so that, you know, some solution providers could hear your perspectives because oftentimes they they make assumptions that don't align with the conversations I have with you.
4: I also want to mention, like, it's not just a one-way street, right? It's not just us trying to, like, use their service. They're also getting our data. Like, they're uh-huh. able to like, make their models better, they're able to understand like what is out there, especially if they're entering like fintech or marketplaces or whatever, right? Like they are getting our data. So it's not like it's just a a one way street, right? Like it goes both ways. And all these like vendors like that's what they're after right they're after our data they want to get as much data as possible from us so they can make their models better so they could go after other like merchants and say hey we have this one we have their data like we're able to like connect it all together like you know, it's not it's not just a one way street like you guys are also getting a pretty good deal with all the data that we're sending you. And especially if companies are like global or if they're a, like niche, like that's that's an in for these vendors to to kind of coach other merchants as well. And they're
0: getting your brand as well. I mean, depending on your marketing department's you know rules though we know that sometimes they just break them but um you know they shouldn't be but if you say that they can't use your brand they shouldn't but I know several that get around it or they'll say I can't put this in writing but I can tell you who uses us but you know so they're they're getting your you know they're getting your brand and your accolades but actually to that point we've kind of danced around it a little bit but there is a a founder well a founder and or president of a vendor company who has kind of famously now said they'll just give them a list of their clients names and that should be better than a poc why would you what would you say to that if that was what was told to your face i don't know if that vendor has ever said it to a merchant i've definitely heard them say that. Um, and I know others have too, and have publicized that. Um, but what's your answer to that?
2: Can you give me, can you give me the list of the ones that left you in the last year
0: (laughs) or the ones that have been trying to leave you for the last two years, but can't, you know, can't get the business case or that, you know, you know, somebody on their board and you can't, you know, you're trying to bully them or something.
5: (laughs) Yeah. I don't think some of those vendors have any clue. About who's happy on that list, just because you have a list yes. doesn't mean that those people, if they were reached out to by your prospective client, would say good things about you. Hmm.
0: I want to take a highlighter and highlight everything you just said because um, I often know like sometimes even the brands that are put on a company's website, I'm like,, oh, I wouldn't put that brand on my website if I were you because they're not happy. I know and I know if somebody were to reach out to them just by themselves, they wouldn't give you a good report card. You know, there's a lot that goes into I mean, I kind of joke that capitalism doesn't work in the fraud space because there's a lot of solution providers that make a lot of money on what they refer to as toxic revenue, revenue that is only there because their companies and their so their uh, clients can't leave because of, you know, tight engineering resources, or because of legacy contracts, or, you know, they haven't had a person in place to oversee fraud in a long time, and they're still getting up to speed or, you know, insert the reason here, there's a lot of reasons, it's not easy. uh, These contracts are very sticky, which is why they all fight so much for your big brands. And because they know that once you're on them, you're not going to leave in a year, even if you're uh, satisfied because you can't.
2: Do you guys ever ask for the references, like to have a reference call with your existing yeah. um, customers? Yeah. I do, and I always look for who they give me.
1: <laughs> well, the, the like you have with that a huge they're... clients, and
2: then you give me some small ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, the problem with that, is, like as as you know, they're only going to give you the their their favorite clients that they know. <laughs> I've, I've yet to, uh, I've yet to have a reference call with someone that really? hated the vendor.
0: Really? Gonna,
1: <sighs> the vendor's not going to provide me a reference that they know is going to speak poorly of them.
0: Mm, they might give
1: even, one that they think but, is going to speak right. well of them that ends up speaking poorly of them, but I've never that's had what I meant. one that, but yeah, that's not, what's happened I've really not had, I've really not had, I'm trying to think here. I've not had a, like a terrible reference call. I've had some strange ones where the people they gave me were just like. I'm not really know sure if that person's all there. Um.
2: <laughs> but I'm not asking to to get the reference. I'm asking to see who they're going to give. Because yeah. like, if you have some huge clients, like I said, and then you pick some small, or yeah. someone who maybe has 10 transactions a month, that tells me something as well. And then usually the reference call for me is just to understand how the implementation went what was the response um how difficult it was like how to, how are you using it what do you see as a result how do they stuff support like you. that but yeah so more like that but my initial thought is like i want to see Mm-hmm. yeah well has anybody asked
0: a vendor for a reference and uh they gave you one thinking that that solution or that that client was going to give them a glowing review and it didn't happen or does that just happen to me
1: you, you probably do a lot more reference calls <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i i honestly know and this is back before i mean i've done a few but like I often now I don't even ask for their list, right? If I'm working with a client, I already know who uses them. And I'll usually say, do you want to talk to someone who likes them or who doesn't? Or do you want both? Um, and I usually give them both. Um, if I know them, I don't always have a list of, you know, people that don't like a vendor or that do like a vendor. But, you know, I try to give a balance, uh, a balance of them when, you um, you know, when I have a client that's going through an RFP or who's at least just considering, you know, it may not be a formal RFP, but who's considering a new provider. So I have a whole other, whole other stance on RFPs, which we'll just have to come back and do another time.
2: (laughs) But I think important thing to remember is this is an extremely small community. Yes. And almost all of us know each other. So if I want to learn something about someone I probably know fraud fighter or fraud professional who's using them so I can find out. But I am giving you a chance to to tell me who you are and what you're doing. But if you try to deceive or if you try to give me wrong information, we'll find out, all of us.
0: I or think. they maybe give you a name of a company that has nothing to do with your, you know, they don't have the same kind of fraud. They don't have the same kind of products or transaction or they aren't using them the same way.
2: That's yeah. correct. But but it's a small community and they have to keep that in mind. But I I have
0: to I don't think, think they ever understand just how small it is. <laughs> I, I, I have
2: tried have
0: to, to say explain that many times. I'm like, you have no idea how small this industry is and what we all know.
2: <laughs> but I, I think they have a tough job because it is yeah. a small industry. It's oversaturated field right now. It's oversaturated industry with multiple the products. They all say the same thing, they don't do the same thing. Uh but there are a lot of buzzwords. If I hear AI one more time. I mm. fear I'm going to throw something because I'm so sick of uh, gen AI and, and even machine learning and all of that. Um, so I think it's very competitive and it's very difficult. So I, I do have respect for what they're doing, but I do not have respect for bad-mouthing others for trying to deceive a person who is making their living by finding deceivers and thieves. Mm. I mean, it's kind of contradicting. It?
1: Yeah. I, th- or, I think it's funny that we, we might be moving into a, I hope, a post-buzzword world. I was on a call with a vendor a week or so ago, and they they stopped themselves from using the buzzwords. It's like, wait a second, I'm gonna use some 2019 buzzwords here. It's AI, <laughs> blah blah blah. Machine learning best of class cutting edge. And I was like, Yes, like thank you for at least recognizing that this is absurd that everyone uses the same terminology here. Well,
0: last <laughs> March I did the buzzword brackets kind of, for April Fool's Day created the silver bullet. Company and used all of the buzzwords from the bracket in that press release. And so hopefully, like by us, you know, joking around about it a little bit, and I've done episodes on both last year, you know, hopefully that that helps a little bit because I cringe anytime anyone says that they're best in class because I'm like, who's in the class? Like, you know, are you ever going to say you were the worst in class or you were the, you know, like, who yeah, did you
1: choose? That is true. You know, one of, one of the other things I wanted to call out, like there, there are so many players in this space now that mm-hmm. it's very difficult for us to differentiate who's better than, and you almost have to do it with, with some things. I get hit up on LinkedIn daily from all kinds of existing company, existing fraud companies. And then I have about two or three a month from like seed startups or pre-seed startups that want me to evaluate their product. And I got kind of baited into a call with one of them not too long ago, because I thought it was a, the person that reached out to me, their profile was they were like director of fraud at some company and... Mm -hmm. They reached out and said, Hey, I want to, you know, connect with you. I was like, sure, yeah, let's connect. And I get on the call and there's two people on the call and I was like, well, this is odd. You know, I didn't think I, uh, accepted a call with two people and they started out, one of them started asking me questions. She said, this is so-and-so he does whatever and started asking me questions. And I'm like, this is like, why are you interviewing me? I'm not sure where this is going. And then they popped up there. Hey, well, we've got this. Cause I like, as they're talking, I go back to the email invite and I look at who sent it to me and it was their personal Gmail account. And I was like, okay. They're coming so up they, with
0: their own startup. And yeah. They,
1: so they, they can't, they, they. Me
0: because they don't want to idea. pay for a pitch. Like, I mean, that's yeah. that's a service that I provide to seed so startups and a lot they, of other consultancies do too. Is they tell me about you know, their idea, they should be and for
1: then them. I said, "Well, if I told you uh, if I told this group here what they did, you'd recognize what they do, and if I said who are their competitors, you would be able to name probably four or five of them." Yep. And I asked these people, I said, who are your anymore. competitors? And they said, we
0: don't have well, who any.
1: Do you, who, who do you think they are? <laughs> I oh said, my gosh. You should know this. You should know this. And then, like a month later, I get another, someone else reaches out for me. I'm in Y Combinator okay. and we're starting mm-hmm. this, blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing. And I said, is the name of it X? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, who's that? And I was like, the last company that reached out to me about this. And I asked, so I asked them the same question Do you know who your competitors are? And they gave me a list of the top three they thought it would be. And they said, X, Y, Z, in that order. And they were wrong. But it just goes to show, like, there there are so many companies that we know. And then you get hit up by more and more and more seed, pre-seed, Series A, that just want to get their feet in the door somewhere. And they see a big name and, ooh, if I can just get there, you know, I'll take off. And and they want you to, you know, we'll give you a free POC. I've been offered free POCs for so many different things this year that I just, I couldn't possibly do them. But that's why we have to do them is to kind of weed out Mm -hmm. the ones that we know won't work or we don't think will work and narrow down to the ones that we, based on reputation, based on word of mouth, have a fairly confident uh, or are fairly confident will work. And then the test is just proving them out and Mm -hmm. proving that ROI.
0: I think you bring up so many good points about newer companies that don't do their homework or that don't know, because there was one last year that, you know, had a good use case. And I was intrigued by them. But they kept saying, well, we have the patent on and it was basically consortium data. And I'm like, Well, that doesn't mean that no one else is doing it. Like there's already so many companies that are already doing it, but we have the patent, so they can't. Well, you guys don't have any customers and nobody's heard of you before. So like the patent doesn't really matter. And, you know, they wanted to hire me and all these things. And I, I will not, I mean, a lot of companies don't realize they just want access to the people I know. And I'm like, no, you need to prove you're going to be around for a while. You know, you sometimes the benefit of an eight to 10 month sales cycle Is that you can see if they're going to shake out or not, because to your point there, you guys are getting contacted by so many companies all the time that claim to do the same thing or claim to do it better. You can't take the time to do that for all of them.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'll come back on not anonymously and talk about vendors before MRC, but you give me many ideas for topics.
2: Oh, good. We'll write them down. (laughs) Are you sure you want to do it before or after? (laughs) Because you still want that vest, don't you? (laughs) I'm not getting it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm giving up on that.
2: You're not getting a vest anymore. Well, we'll make him one and we'll embroider it Whatever you that's want. I, I Fraud ma- fighter.
1: I made myself one. So uh, I won't dime out who this was from, but I worked with this this company several years ago and they promised me, we will get you a vest with our logo on it. Because they had one. And I was like, that's cool. I want one. Time passed. Never got it. We won. That person happened to come in town a few months ago and asked me if I would have got to dinner. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. i printed i printed out on my computer printer their logo put uh some clear tape on it and then taped it to a vest that i owned and i went to the restaurant and met them there with that they loved there it. a
0: couple of us just <laughs> face palmed by the way <laughs> that's
1: you funny. know you all well most some of you know my sense of humor and, yes. and will appreciate that
0: <laughs> yes well and i mean i think that it does come to say that you know while swag is important it's obviously not the only it can't be the only contender in, in making a decision for, in fact, I don't think it ever no. really is. No. I Let me, uh, let me clarify couple,
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> let me clarify that. Everyone I worked with ha, have worked with knows that I am not that guy. I don't care if you take me, like if, if I told a vendor the other day, they were trying to set up a a, a dinner for MRC. I said, we'll go to, you know, wherever some steakhouse. And I said, I'd be happier if you took me to Raisin Cane's across the street on the strip. Mm-hmm. I am not that guy. I like hats. I know I'll never get a vest. It's just become a joke at this point. But like, don't don't be that person need to that get you like, a
2: vest.
1: I'm <laughs> not gonna okay. give you a vest.
2: I'll get you. I don't
1: vest. need a vest. I have plenty well. Of a there's
0: a vendor that gave me a really nice north face vest, and thankfully it was embroidered with the same color of the, you know, because I don't actually like that vendor anymore. And one of you knows why, but Today, actually, funny enough, and this was totally by chance, I don't think I've worn them in mu- in weeks at least, but I'm wearing my fraud fighter socks. So, it's, you know, sometimes they're fun, but they're not the only thing that's going to make a decision to sign a contract. That's for sure. And there are some cases where I think we've all seen situations where solution providers that have, you know, products that haven't been improved upon for years are the ones that are shelling out the most money for you know, the best experiences when we're at, at conferences or other things, it just varies.
2: So I have to go back to buzzwords, but I think we can probably have whole another podcast episode about buzzwords. But <laughs> back to to this is what impacts the reputation as well is, yes, I know there are some posts a bit controversial and so on. But I I see a specific vendor that is obviously using marketing person to write their posts and surveys all the time. Hmm. And every time I see the survey, I cringe. It's like, really, you embarrass yourself.
0: So, is it because they aren't speaking the language that we speak or they don't know what they're talking about?
2: Exactly. It's obviously someone who is maybe very good at marketing, but doesn't understand the, the, the mm-hmm. industry well, does not understand what needs to be known, what needs to be shared. And the information they're sharing, I would say it's like 20, 20, 2012. At that point, maybe that was something we talked So mm. it is so out of the current state of fraud and current situation in an industry. So I think these type of things are doing them injustice as well. So keep in mind, we watch those too. We're all on LinkedIn. We all read, we all post, we all (laughs) comment. So... Having someone who understands the topic, understands the problem, understands the issue to write these posts is probably more important than just some very well-educated marketing person who obviously doesn't understand. So
0: I've often joked so, there are some vendors that have a token merchant, but I actually think it's very smart because we do have our own language and, you know, we do have our own way of thinking and you can advocate for your clients in a different way.
2: I love the hat, Hey, eh? Oh, you changed hats. I, I have a shirt. <laughs> um, I do too,
1: but. It's too small.
0: So, getting back to POCs, I just have a couple more questions. You know, should you expect a POC to be free? Um, and are there any differences between a paid and a free POC other than you know you're paying for one and another one is free, or does it really depend on the type, the size of your company, and the type of tool? You know, and and or maybe where the in the stage the company is.
1: A lot of it goes into that. Some of the companies today are like platform providers that partner with, uh, right, like a orchestration. bunch of other, yeah. And if, if you are asking them to pump in data from 10 of their partners, it's like 10 cents a call and you're sending them a couple thousand transactions, (laughs) it's very pricey. And maybe they give it to you at cost or, you know, a very small margin uh, over their cost, but it's just not sustainable for them to, to do free POCs a lot of the time. I mean, I don't think that. There are a ton of platforms that are like standalone, but I, I feel like the industry is moving more towards platform where you have a lot of things, so you're not managing yeah. 30 contracts and... In that case, if you're testing out a bunch of different stuff, it's just not sustainable for them to be handing out free POCs. I think they, I, I've, I've had ones that will work with you on pricing, either giving it to you a cost or or a reduced cost for that period. But especially with a large enterprise, it could you're talking about like multi million dollar year contracts that you'd be signing. If you're running the POC for thirty or sixty days, it's it's still a, a hefty chunk of money.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Did anyone have anything else that you want to add on that one or should we go to the next question? Have you ever had any big surprises during a POC, either positive or negative?
2: I had a negative one once some time ago. I'm not going to say what I was testing in the vendor, but everything they promised didn't turn out well. And I did analysis and checked and double checked and triple checked and there was a slight improvement, but definitely not worth hmm. the investment. So it wasn't a free POC, it was paid POC. So I wouldn't say the money was lost, but it wasn't a good investment. It was disappointing because I truly believed it can help. We just had to tell them that it's not going to work and that we can't
3: continue.
0: Oh, that's a good That's a very, I mean, that's a very good reason why solution providers should not lie um, or why they shouldn't overpromise because, you know, the disappointment in going all the way through a POC and doing everything else all the way up to that point and then not being able to go to your company and be able to justify the POC and instead say, actually, it, it didn't work out, that can hit your credibility, right? And so that can be an impact too. Do you want to have any positive or was it mostly what you expected because you'd done so much homework?
1: What I expected for the most part, some of it uh, better than expected. I think uh, the possibilities of finding things that you, you weren't expecting are there as well, such as you didn't have any monitoring at a certain touch point. Hmm. Right. Let's say we put in something and I ex- you put monitoring in at login to monitor for ATOs or just devices logging in from, you know, let's say we only operate in the U.S. and now devices are logging in from all over the world. If that's what you're expecting to see, then yeah, you're probably going to see it. But you might find, oh, I've got someone logging in like 50 times a day or 50 times an hour now. Hmm. I had that recently. I, I, I saw something that was just like so anomalous that was like, what, based on our business model, it's like there's absolutely no reason for this to be happening. What is this? And it caused you to dig in and find like, oh yeah, we have vulnerabilities that we didn't know existed. Like, you know, theoretically I could say like there, here's a set number of things that could happen with accounts, but it's just like, it's not even fraud. It's just kind of like platform abuse in -hmm. in this example, Mm -hmm. like something you just do not expect to see is there. And it's just an added benefit by testing out these solutions.
0: And those added benefits help you to be able to go to other parts of the sell business it. and say, yeah, to sell it and be able to say, Hey, we learned even more than we thought we would.
4: Yep. Yeah. We had one where we ended up staying with them. It was like a, a- Paid POC. Um, we basically had in the contract, like if you don't meet, you know, meet these certain requirements, like we we have an opt out. So similar to um, what our said sort of, yeah. Yeah. It was a bummer because we had actually sold it to our leadership saying, like, hey, they're going to be offering all this and this is kind of the uplift that, you know, they're gonna give. So mm. when they're not able to kind of meet those requirements, it puts us in a sticky situation because then you know the the leadership's gonna look at you like so you didn't do your homework right like you didn't do this and it doesn't have to do anything with you right like we still ended up staying with them and we continued it because we still saw like the uplift and everything that we needed but it does put the team in a really bad place and I rather just rather not have it in the contract or not even mention it and be like a Surprise we have this for you. Like this is gonna be an extra uplift rather mm. than promising something and not being able to make it, especially if you know that we're gonna be using this as a selling point to our leadership. Right. So I think like that's that's something that I think gets it, it's it looks nice and pretty because there's a nice little bow on it. But if you're not able to make it, it it kind of puts like a, a bad taste in everyone's mouth.
2: But I think back to the paid versus free POC, I do understand why some. PSE is paid because there is a lot of work that needs to go into integration and all of that. But I think having maybe uh, two separate ways of testing your solution is also an option because I know several solutions that will do like an integration POC, but then there are several that will do like dispatching, you send them information, they do review or they. Send right, like an offline POC. The offline, yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, having options like that is also good because if you can't get any budget approval for POC, but you believe that the solution is good, maybe this is an alternative way of providing the metrics that show the value that ask for the additional budget. But I know that there are very few uh, companies that offer that. You
0: know, there's actually a company that recently told me that they have figured out, and I don't know how, I just, I thought that this was interesting that, you know, they recognized that they need live data for, you know, proofs of concept and they can't do offline. But they also recognized that the companies that would love to be able to compare them to their current provider, um, aren't able to get the engineering resources. So they've actually found a way to hook on to the API, the existing APIs that the solution provider, that the, the merchant has. So say that merchant uses vendor A and vendor C wants to, you know, wants that business. Then vendor C has figured out a way to latch on to vendor A's API to get the data and, then they're not decisioning on it but they're at least getting that data so that they can help you see well if we had if we you were using us we would have approved x percentage more and we would have you know declined this or whatever it is i thought that was an interesting solution now do i know if vendor a is aware that that is happening i have no clue that's if that's okay i don't know but i thought that that was a creative solution to a problem that you know they kept to some of the companies that are you know maybe seen as more of a rip and replace as they say right they're not solving something they're not necessarily solving a new problem but they might be offering something in a better way or with better outcomes. I found that fascinating that that was their solution to that. (laughs) And then lastly, you know, and I think we talked about this throughout this conversation a little bit, but in addition to POC, is there any other data point that you base your final decision about a vendor on as strongly as you do a POC that we've talked about already as far as talking to other users and all and the data, obviously?
1: Do I trust them?
0: That's a really good idea. That, that yeah.
1: For me, for me that, that is maybe one of the most important things. Do I trust that they understand my use cases? Mm. Do I trust that they will support my 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 use cases? Do I trust that they will continue to innovate? Mm. And as trends change, will change with me and will support me. I think to me, that's just as important as the performance of the system. Yeah. You know, I I would take a, a solution provider that meets all those criteria. And performs slightly lower than one that has a just a little bit more incremental lift any day of the week because it's so much more work to manage a vendor that's not supportive. If I have to ten, send 10 emails every time I need something, and need a response, that's just more stress on me as the fraud manager that I don't, I don't need to do. It's mm. not worth it. I mean, if, if we all know how hard it is to get additional resources on our teams, and mm-hmm. if I'm taking my time to work with the vendor and manage the vendor constantly versus managing my team and making sure that they're successful, then I'm not going to be successful. Yeah. And I'm going to end up quitting going somewhere else because I hate managing this vendor because that's all my job is. It's not managing fraud anymore. It's managing a, a an account manager that isn't being helpful.
0: Yeah, I think adding on to that, you know, do you trust them to continue to invest in um, account support? Because there have been some companies that have divested in that over the years and, you know, stopped paying a higher wage for their account support and made it so that, you know, only maybe people who just got out of college can do it. And they just don't know the space and they aren't helpful or they don't know what to bubble up to, you know, other departments. And so they just, you know, it falls on deaf ears. And or they don't reply to emails and things like that. So yeah, do you trust them to keep hiring and and keep prioritizing account support and innovation, I think are are two key things, because the POC is basically like the engagement process, right? Like in a marriage for a marriage, I mean, you know, you've dated and you've gone through the RFP and you've gone through all that. And then you know you're engaged, but then you know you're really making a decision. Are we going to stick with this, you know, provider for hopefully many years? Um, you don't want it. You know, I don't know anyone that goes into it hoping that it's going to last for you know two years and two years only. It's usually wanting it to be much longer.
2: I do want to echo that trust for sure, support for sure. But I think fraud fighters typically have this gut feeling. Mm-hmm. I think our intuition is maybe much more sharp than. Some other people. Yeah. I can tell. I can tell by their engagement with you. I can tell by the way they speak. Are they buzzwords or not? I can tell by the way they respond and how soon they respond, even when you are just in those introductory stages. You can tell. But trust is definitely very important. Accessibility, too. Like, are you going to be there for me when I need you? I'm not unreasonable. I don't have to be number two on your almost called list, but uh, I appreciate it. (laughs) But, you know, are you going to respond do you have the process of escalating things that was another thing that is important to me like with all of my vendors in the past i would have escalation process like if you're not there you're in a meeting you can't really mm. respond in an hour or two whatever what is the next step like if you don't respond in 30 minutes who's going to respond to me if i email again who's going to be the next person i'm going to email so some of those stuff i like to have i ask for vendor if they have documented this uh, escalation or emergency response yes knowing that you can trust them knowing that they will work with you but what's very important for me that I look at be, even before I engage with the vendor is who is on their client list, but not to be impressed by the large client, but to understand what type of data they have. Yes. And I think this is mm-hmm. not what we were talking about. We talked about a little bit how important it is, all this data and how we give them data. But if I have someone who is having most of the grocery delivery clients, or I don't know, travel clients, and I'm selling shoes, especially shoes that are very, very high risk shoes, are they going to be able to answer multiple issues that are associated with selling shoes and and bots and and the releases and so on? So even when I talk to anyone else, when they ask me, what is the most important thing you look for in a vendor? I never say price. It's important, but it's not, not number one. I don't say chargeback protection. It's important to me, but it's not number one to me, is the data set they have. What is in there? who is in their net? Because this is maybe going to sound a little bit arrogant, but I think I can make any vendor work well with me because I know what I want. I know what I want them to look at. I know what I want them to screen. I've I just i I've been doing this for so long that I understand how to make it work well, but why should I work six months on of, of getting them there if I can get them there in a month or in a week? So, well, and they already
0: understand your use case if they have similar data as well, because every vertical uh, has different use cases. And some are similar, actually, like, you know, high highly thefted shoes are very similar to event tickets, concert tickets, right, as far as fraud goes. And there's other similarities right. in other verticals, too. So you can do those matches, but do they understand that? Can they hold a conversation or do you have to, do you have to explain everything from square one to every new person that you talk to from that company? I think yeah. I good.
2: had, I had the vendor who brought up another, um, shoe selling company to me once and said, "Hey, but we have someone in your vertical and here." So, so I'm like, "They're not in our vertical. Yeah, they sell shoes. They even sell sneakers." But no, they're <laughs> not in our return. It's not even similar. Right. They, they
0: don't have there. the same fraudsters. They don't have the same not kind the of same risk. Problem. Yeah. Right. Exactly. B or V. What would you say is also important in a poc? Uh, B. I'll have you go first.
5: Sure. So I think trust, like you guys said, definitely makes sense. I think the responsiveness. I think the POC really shows you. I mean, it is like you said. If it's the engagement period, it's like it's almost the honeymoon phase. They're going to give you a lot of attention. They should. They're going to be really not, or they should. (laughs) The the smart ones will. But getting to Dee's point, like we we can usually sniff it out and and be able to tell. Like, are you are you really understanding us? are you you know is are your account managers former merchants do they mm. get it or are they just you know have have they always been managing on that side and you can kind of tell maybe there are some who come on and give you the reports and all they do is just read through the pdf and then okay do you have any questions and end the call like mm-hmm. there's such a difference when they've mm-hmm. been the merchant and they really understand your problem that i think i think the poc really helps shine some light on those things like you said, nobody wants to spend all the money and do all the engineering to wind up in divorce two years later. Like, right. None of us want that. It's very yeah. expensive.
0: So. It's a marriage that's really hard to get a divorce from, especially if there's tokenization involved. But that's like a whole other story.
5: <laughs> from <a> You need a good lawyer.
1: Yes. This, you, you know, do. this this whole marriage metaphor doesn't really work too well because the sales cycle is kind of like dating. And then if you do a POC, you go straight into the honeymoon. And then from there you kind of go into uh negotiations, which is maybe I don't know what that would be reading. Pre- pre- not- planning the wedding. <laughs> pre- yeah. Pay, pre- not-
0: yeah the legality part exactly (laughs) i mean it's a close enough analogy maybe it's not exactly perfect but it's you know it's it's there a little bit if we stretch it
4: (laughs) v what about for you I think there's a few things. So I think when you're in a POC, multiple things come up, right? There's issues come up, may they be end related. There could be fraud attacks that come up that you need help with because you're like, hey, I need you to jump on this. There may be payment related issues that need to be worked on. Just seeing like what their knowledge is on that, right? Like, did they, do they have that internal knowledge? I think that's like really important for me. Like if sometimes I feel like if I know more about Mm -hmm. something, like if I know more about something than you do, like, and I'm teaching you, that doesn't make me very comfortable, right? Because I'm like, well, how about if something happens or something breaks on your end? I can't, I don't know what's happening on your side, right? Like I can't can't drop everything and help them. Yeah. So I think that's really important. So that makes me a little uncomfortable when I'm just like talking about chargebacks or payments and I'm like, well, this is how it's done. They're like, oh, is it? And I'm like, oh, you don't know, like, you know, it it makes me a little uncomfortable with saying, like, what am I paying you for at this point? Like, are you just like running my transactions, like, or, you know, whatever it is, like through your system and just hoping for the best that nothing ever breaks or nothing goes wrong or that maybe you're hoping that you've seen all the issues that have come up, right? So I think that's really important when, like, you're going through a POC is to see, like, how knowledgeable are they? Are they, is it just kind of like they read like you know the back of the book and they're like yep we know what's going yeah. on and you know and then when you start questioning them, they're like i read the Cliff notes version i have no idea what you're talking about right so i think that's really important during a poc
0: mm-hmm. and i think that goes right back to what d was saying as far as you know knowing in your gut right like we pay attention to the details because we at our core at least when we started our in our industry or you know in this space a lot of us started out as analysts And we had to just look at a few lines of data and know someone's intention on the other side of the computer. And that helps us hone our gut, right? It helps us hone our intuition and can usually see through the, you know, the BS pretty quickly or at least, you know, over time and be able to know, oh, you're just using, you know, buzzwords or top of line or maybe what worked for someone else, but you're not taking time to ask or to find out. Maybe maybe you don't have time to explain it to them, but they can take time to figure it out and say oh okay so you're in this space i bet this is probably an issue you know oh, I, showing that they've done homework is really impressive i think
2: on the topic of homework i do have to share an anecdote that i had a vendor who came to me and offered refund fraud solution and obviously read multiple articles or posts that i've Listened to multiple webinars. Maybe I'm giving away um, multiple webinars that I did, multiple presentations that I did, and quoted word by word everything I said, and then tried to convince me in the importance of this, and tried to teach me about something that they actually read from something I wrote, and without even knowing. And I, I appreciate the homework, and I appreciate like what they were trying to do, but it didn't go well with me. Like you're just trying to teach me what you learned. So it was. It was quite obvious because they were quoting me. To right, so
0: do some, what you're ho- hoping for is that they can teach you something and that they can, you know, tell you something that you didn't know already and not just quote you back
2: to them. It, it was obvious that there was a lot of research done, but it wasn't very in-depth research, obviously, because they didn't remember the name of the person who did it. <laughs> oh, they didn't realize it was you. No, they didn't realize that they were oh, I didn't realize that. quoting things to me that I wrote. They were taking pieces of uh, speech about from the webinars I, I've done. And I'm like, I'm thinking they were joking. I'm making faces like, oh, wow And then when I realized they're not joking, they didn't realize that this is actually what I've done. It's, it was pretty really interesting. Well, you should be flattered.
5: Clearly, they thought you were the expert.
2: There we go. Yeah, that, that's good. Cool. But, you know, in the beginning of this problem, they were, there was very, very... Few it was you and about I. It. It, was, it was Carice <laughs> and I that were sharing most of this. And then they come up to me and they're trying to teach me about it. I'm like, dude, do you even know who you're talking to? It's like, I, I, this sounds like I'm snob, but no, it, it was just...
0: Well, knowing the level of information that the person you're talking to knows too, right? Because there have been some people that are trying to show me how much they know about something. And I'm like, yeah, bless your heart. But like, that's something that I knew 10 years ago. (laughs) And if you don't try to be a jerk about it, but if they're selling me something or selling a client something, if they think that that's new information, I'm like, we're going to have a problem because we need you to be on the cutting edge. We need you to go on this journey with us. We know that the fraud we're facing today is not going to be the only fraud that you're going to be fighting with us. We're going to be, hopefully it's going to be several years and we're going to see many iterations and you're going to keep helping us along the way. You're not just taking care of the problem we have now and then sitting it on like, you know, cruise control or, you know, autopilot, right? Well, guys, this was such a fun conversation. And I know um, two people had to drop as we were having it. But um, I appreciate all five of you for joining me for this conversation. And I have a feeling that many people will really enjoy it, too. I mean, not just on the solution provider side, but also On the merchant side, maybe some people didn't know that they could ask for a POC or that, you know, that this is something that's important. Um, Is there anything else that anyone would like to
2: add before we close out this episode? Thank you so much for having us. It was fun as always. These are my favorite.
0: (laughs) I luckily get to have conversations like this, you know, when they're not recorded too. But this is, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lot of us in the fraud fighting space, we become friends too. So Um, it's fun just to nerd out with each other and not, you know, because oftentimes you're the only one in your company who, you know, likes the stuff as much as we do.
5: (laughs) By far best call of the week. Always
0: fun. I I don't know if that that means the bar was high or low, but I'll take it. (laughs) Well, thanks again so much. Thank you again to Spec for sponsoring today's episode. I'm really excited for more online companies to see what's possible with their fraud infrastructure. Spec's Trust Cloud is way more than just another fraud product, and I hope you'll visit www.specprotected.com to learn why.